2: 20 years. What's the fallout? How are veterans feeling today, especially those who have served in combat in Afghanistan or other parts of the world? Who is left behind? Who is the most vulnerable? These are questions we're going to ask today on the program. We have a great lineup of guests for you. In fact, a 25-year Army veteran, Sergeant Major Tom Satterley, and his wife, Jen, are going to be on the program. He was Delta Force. Remember Black Hawk Down? Well, he was there. In fact, uh, he was depicted in the movie uh, made about that event. The longest uh, continual firefight since the Vietnam War was that event in Somalia so many, many years ago. Well, he was there. He cut his teeth in combat there, but he spent many more days, nights, weeks and months deployed around the world to include Iraq, where he led the mission. He was personally in charge of the mission to find Saddam Hussein. It was his team that captured Saddam Hussein. He made a personal promise to the President of the United States that he would capture him, and he did. Well, he's going to be our guest today to talk about the fallout for veterans, how they're feeling. The things that they're dealing with, the damage and the difficulties that combat brings to the lives of the those who serve, but also their families back home. They have an organization called um, uh, allsecurefoundation.org. And so we're going to be talking to them in the guest segment. At 15 past, Jason Jones is going to be back with us. You might remember, remember Jason Jones as a uh, producer for Hollywood Films with the Movie to Movement uh, organization. But he's also got an organization called the Vulnerable People Project, where he's been trying to bring people out of Afghanistan. And there's been a fundraiser through LifeSite News for that. So we're going to catch the latest from Jason at 15 Pass to discuss the effort to bring the most vulnerable out of the country. So a lot to discuss today, a lot on the program and a news and everything else to get into. Good morning to you, Janice.
4: Good morning, Joe. How are you?
2: Praise be to God. I, I have to say, in looking through the news this morning, I am glad to see that um, there are some troubling stories coming out of Afghanistan today uh to be sure to include even a murder uh however it's it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be so I guess mm-hmm. I I'm somewhat uh, happy about that
4: Yeah I think it definitely is uh not too heavy as we all thought it would be today yeah. but um but still regardless the past 2 weeks have definitely been Heavy. <laughs>
2: yeah, for sure. So there are again troubling reports coming out of Afghanistan, but uh, I'm just glad it's not. We're not seeing worse than this at this point. I'm also glad to hear that the uh, the recovery from the hurricane in Louisiana. I haven't seen any more casualty reports. Have you?
4: No, I haven't. I just heard a, a lot of power outages and uh, maybe l- less than ten um, fatalities, but um, not to anything too major.
2: Yeah, praise be to God. Well, speaking of uh, things not too major, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you Adrian. I'll have you know, I have two majors. What are you uh, talking about? Well, that's what I was. Oh, what, that's oh, re- oh, that's oh, yeah.
3: that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. 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 What? Yeah, the uh, <laughs>
4: it's all about you, Adrian. It's all about <laughs> you. I'm, I was trying to
3: tell people, but people don't listen all the time. I keep trying to explain to them, but you know, now that it's not so bad, there's not too there's not a lot of casualties in Louisiana. I can complain then about the fact that the gas prices are going to shoot up. Uh, because of this whole hurricane thing, I tell you, yikes! For Texas to
2: have the high gas prices is is a it's a gut check. I think I spent uh, almost seventy dollars filling up my my Tahoe this morning.
3: That's horrible.
5: Wow, <laughs> yeah, that's too,
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that's too much. I, I'm pretty sure next to the gas pump at three three in the morning was a guy from the bank ready to offer great terms, twenty year you know program just to get the the gas tank filled. So times they are interesting to be to be sure. At any rate, we're going to jump into a lot of stories today, breaking news and stories coming up in a moment, and then, of course, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and then at 15 past, Jason Jones will be on with us with the Vulnerable People Project, and at 35 past, uh, Tom and Jen Satterley uh, are going to be on from the All Secure Foundation, and so we have a lot to talk about today. Let's jump in by praying. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known
4: Good morning, friends. Thank you for turning in, tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janice Valenzuela, and here are your headline news for today. Historic news. Abortion is now virtually illegal in the state of Texas. A pre-born child heartbeat can be detected at just six weeks old. Texas has become the first state in almost half a century to effectively ban abortions Wednesday morning through the newly passed Texas Heartbeat Act. Thanks to a federal court decision not to block a law enacted earlier this year against aborted babies with de- detectable heartbeats, this is amazing news, praise God. From LifeSite News, NFL quarterback Kirk Cousins continues to resist the COVID jab. Even though NFL is putting pressure on players to take the shot, Christian quarterback resists NFL's vaccine pressure. Crick Cousins is not standing alone. His team, the Minnesota Vikings, has one of the lowest COVID vaccination rates in pro football. Also from LifeSite News, Canadian government spends millions on isolation sites for those who test positive for COVID-19. From Blaze News, a woman watches in horror as alligator bites off her husband's arm in the floodwaters of Hurricane Ida. Pentagon denies erroneous reports that military dogs were abandoned in Afghanistan. Many on social media were outraged when several groups claimed that military working dogs were left behind in Afghanistan to be tortured and killed. A photograph purporting to show dogs in kennels at the airport was widely circulated. Also from Blaze News, Biden calls for withdrawal from Afghanistan as an extraordinary success. He insists his his administration was ready to handle every difficulty. From Catholic News Agency, Pope Francis addressed the Vatican financial scandals in a sit-down radio interview this past Tuesday that aired on Tuesday, saying he hoped that Cardinal Angelo Bichu is innocent of the charges against him. From Catholic news agency, North American College is calling to cancel teaching and celebrating masses in the extraordinary form. In a memo sent to the community at the North American College, Rector Father Peter Harmon Announced that all masses in the extraordinary form were permanently suspended at the most important Catholic institution in Rome. From Epic Times, Hurricane Ida leaves a catastrophic mark for residents of Louisiana. Sixteen years after Katrina, residents face challenges of cleanup and rebuilding. From Epic Times, Many health care workers say no thank you to the jab. They plan on quitting their jobs instead. A healthcare worker in North Carolina said he's preparing to quit his job after President Joe Biden's decision to withhold funding from nursing centers that don't mandate vaccines. Florida Department of Health on Monday announced that it is withholding funds from two school districts that defied Governor Ron. DeSantis order banning mass mandates. And lastly from Epic Times, a Florida-based coalition of lawyers says it it is going to represent thousands of US airline workers seeking a religious exemption from mandatory COVID-19 vaccines. And these are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Wednesday.
3: The saint of the day is going to be brutal. I'm just going to throw that out there right now. St. Lupus of Sens was born in the late 5th century and near, near Orleans, Gaul, which is modern day France. He was born to the Burgundian nobility and he was early noted to have a love of Christ in his church. He was a nephew of St. Osterimus of Orleans and St. Honorius of Auxerre, who both saw to his education and noted for his love of music and his generosity to the poor. He was a monk at Lorenz and was a priest in the Archbishop of Sens, Burgundy in modern-day France in 609. When Lupus hesitated to acknowledge Clotier II as the rightful ruler of Burgundy and insisted that the will of God trumps the will of rulers, Clotier used the excuse of slander about Lupo and a woman to exile him to Ancin, a predominantly pagan area. Lupus evangelized the people of the era uh, area and converted many, including the region's governor. When Lupus' replacement, Burgundy, the polit- replacement in Burgundy, the political ambitious monk, Monsigezel, was killed during the riot, the people demanded the return of their rightful bishop. Clotier recalled Lupus and punished those who had spoken against him. Legend says that once when celebrating mass a jewel descended from heaven into the elevated chalice. He died on 623 in Brendon son Armacon yon France of natural causes. He buried he was buried under the gutter of Saint Columba's Basilica in Sens France. Saint Lupus of Sens pray for us.
2: Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 4 verses 38 through 44. After Jesus left the synagogue, he entered the house of Simon. Simon's mother-in-law was afflicted with a severe fever, and they interceded with him about her. He stood over her, rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up immediately and waited on them. At sunset, all who had people sick with various diseases brought them to him. He laid his hands on them and cured them. And diseases, or rather, and demons also came out from many, shouting, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them and did not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. At daybreak, Jesus left and went to a deserted place. The crowds went looking for him, and when they came to him, they tried to prevent him from leaving them. But he said to them, to the other towns also I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God, because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Did you catch the intercession there? Uh, if you Have you ever been asked like by a non-catholic. Well, you Catholics, you you know, you guys teach strange stuff like, you know, the baptism of infants for instance or the intercession of praying to saints. You know, this is one of those verses that I would point to to say, "Look, look at this. They are coming to Jesus and asking him to heal a woman. It's not the woman asking for healing, it's the people on her behalf." Think about that. The power we have The opportunity we have to be in family, in communion, in the family, to intercede, to unite our hearts to the heart of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, to bring people to a knowledge of salvation, but to also intercede and ask God to provide for them for their needs. This opportunity to intercede. I love this notion here. It's subtle. I guarantee you read it so fast, you probably skip right over it, but it's powerful. Uh, there's so many things else going on here, like the healing of men and women alike. Ambrose brings this out. I found that fascinating. But Venerable Bede said in the 8th century, "...for if we say that a man released from the devil represents morally the mind cleansed from unclean thoughts, consequently women vexed by fever but cured at our Lord's command, represents the flesh controlled by the rules of, of conscience in the fury of its own lust." So, there is something deeper going on here, Venerable B points out, because yesterday it was the man with the demon. The demon gets cast out of the man. Today, it's the woman sick. And so, there's something spiritual and symbolic in that combination between the men and the woman. Even Ambrose points out the connection back to Eve here and sort of this hint of the woman who is plagued or assailed by the sickness. The fact that food is involved afterwards, even, it's just fascinating to see. But… I really would like to spend more time, and maybe we'll do this today in the after show. Uh, What did the devils know? Did the devils really know he was the Christ? Were they sure? Ooh, Venerable Beat has a lot to say on that, too. You'll have to tune in next hour. Maybe I'll share a quote or two with you. But we're going to go to a break. We're going to come back. Jason Jones is going to be our guest. He's going to be on by phone with us to talk about the Vulnerable People Project and his efforts to rescue people from Afghanistan. All that's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. The next National Men's March
6: to End Abortion is Monday, November 15th in Baltimore. We will gather outside of a local abortion
7: center and march to our rally point outside of the USCCB Fall Assembly. Men, it's time. Embrace Christ. Embrace His Word. And if
0: you stand for life, oh my goodness, you'll put a smile on God's
3: face and He'll bless you. Go to Men'sMarch.com for more information and commit to join us on November 15th in Baltimore.
2: Time keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It is great to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour today, here in just a little while, Tom and Jen uh, Satterley from the allsecurefoundation.org are going to be on our program. Um, Tom has an incredible uh, resume of combat veteran. Uh, 25 years in the Army, 20 years spent in Delta Force, Black Hawk Down, the famous Hollywood movie. We, we've probably seen that. Most of us have seen that. Well, he was depicted in that film. He was there in Somalia. But he he went on to serve all around the world, to include Afghanistan and Iraq. He As a sergeant major, he led the team to uh, capture Saddam Hussein even. Uh, so he has an incredible and extensive resume. But he's also a guy who struggled with PTSD. He's also a guy who, who considered... Um, suicide even, as many combat vets have struggled with addictions and depression and so much more so he and his wife have an organization called all secure foundation and they're going to tell us about the impact on veterans 20 years of continual war but that's coming up at 35 past the hour joining us right now by phone though is jason jones uh hollywood producer we all know that but jason also has an organization called the vulnerable people project he's been trying to rescue people out of afghanistan good morning to you jason jones
7: Hey, great to be on your show. When you introduced me as Hollywood producer, now your entire audience doesn't trust me.
2: That's true. That's, that's true. But I <laughs> hope that you'll win their... I
7: the credibility of your entire audience.
2: Uh, I just hope you'll win their trust back by the end, by the end of, the, of the interview. At any rate. Okay. okay. Praise be to God. Try. So tell us about the Vulnerable People Project and what you've been trying to do to bring people out of Afghanistan.
7: Yeah, well, and, um, maybe this will win my, my people's trust back. I'm really not a movie producer. I run a Catholic apostolate called uh, Hero the Human Rights Education Relief Organization, and I founded it 20 years ago. We have two programs, Movie to Movement and the Vulnerable People Project, and our mission is just very simple, to defend the vulnerable from violence, by promoting the truth about the incomparable beauty of the human person, and by inspiring solidarity. So through Movie to Movement, we do it through movies. By God's grace, we've had so much success with Bella and Crescendo and other films that I've been a part of, Stoning of Soraya M, that people think maybe that's all I do. But movie to Movement is really just a program of our apostolate. You know, Catholic social teaching is the best architecture of protection for the vulnerable. There's nothing better because it tells the truth about the human person and the truth about the world, the truth about how we should arrange society, um, which, of course, is to be ordered to serve the vulnerable. And that's what we do through the Vulnerable People Project. We, uh, we were very active in Iraq uh, with the Christian community during the rise of ISIS. I went and made a documentary for policymakers and we're probably the leading voice in the world for the Uyghur. Um, and so because of that, I think a lot of folks in Afghanistan thought my organization was the organization that could help them. And we, But we have not had a footprint in Afghanistan. On, on August 13th, I was lying in bed with COVID pneumonia, very sick. I got my first phone call from someone that asked for me to help get their family member out. And then within four days I had hundreds and hundreds of requests. Wow. And it just happened and I just now it's um it's you know uh you know two weeks later, a little over two weeks later, and we're still you know, working twenty hour days and trying to um you know, we were trying to get as many people out. Now we're shifting gears. We were able to get people out through Iran, through Pakistan and through the airport as just as of yesterday, um, thanks to Glenn Beck and his program we were able to get people out in his planes and we're hoping there may be more flights and what we're waiting to see, but we're going to be advocating for um, a human rights corridor, a humanitarian corridor, and um, potentially safe zones. We want safe zones to be done right. Here's the reality. You know, as Catholics, we have, um, we're part of a church that looks back so we can look forward. I saw the genocide in Iraq coming, uh, before the invasion, I said, if we invade Iraq, when we leave, there'll be genocide. And there was. And the world yawned. No one looked. No one paid attention. I mean, no one. Uh, and now it's, it's it's a bit startling to me that there is a lot of passion and a lot of folks that are paying attention to what's happening in Afghanistan in a way they didn't when our ancient Christian communities were being slaughtered, when the Yazidi were being slaughtered. Um, so that's what we're trying to do is focus the world's attention, because now Taliban is... is tweeting and texting out at different uh, tribes, different communities, promising genocide, Oof. promising genocide. Wow. And um, it's up to us, Look, especially lay Catholics. Uh, if the 21st century is to collapse into genocides, democides and war, total war, the way that the 20th century did, it will be because of the failure of lay Catholics, but especially lay Catholics in the United States, because we're, we're a constitutional republic, a representative democracy. We, those of you listening, look, it's uh, 6.15 in the morning. I've been up all night working with people around the world, and I'm on your show now talking to uh, you know, I don't, you know, people, thousands and thousands of people all over the country. This is, this is influence that, that, that is unique to us as a people here. And we're the hegemon. We're the most powerful country in the world. We need to exert influence. I have an article coming out tomorrow at the stream where I talk about that, that we need to really influence, uh, we're constantly hearing these, 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 these banal cliches like New World Order. These New World Orders are nothing, they're just like the Old World Orders, the exploitation of the weak um, by the powerful. And we as Catholics need to really exert influence on the process, on our policy, uh, from protecting the child in the womb uh, to making sure that our foreign entanglements uh, our 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 wars, where we we promise to build nations that we never mean to keep, um, are really just boondoggles to 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 take the money from the American taxpayer and put it into very powerful uh, interests pockets. And so it's, it, this is this is our calling as Catholics and as citizens of this great republic.
3: You know, I was looking at the movie to movement, and you know, I'm always looking for places to give my money because you know organizations. It's very sketchy. Sometimes, you know, you look at these charities and charities are great for funneling money to things that are not what the charity is for. And we've discovered that interviewing, um, the Lepanto Institute with my, and then our, with, uh, over there. And, uh, so the Vulnerable People's Project, Movie to Movement is your, uh, foundation that you're, that we're talking about. How can people donate to you? And also, how do we know what the money is going to?
7: Yeah. Well, so, uh, hero has two programs, movie to com, And that's, we produce and promote movies that tell the truth about the human person. The, the a vulnerable people's website is the dot And, um, so I'd ask that you go to the great org. 100% of your donations, you click on the Afghan link, 100% goes directly to aid our Afghan relief efforts. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, you, what's great is our 990 is available. Everyone can look at their 990. You can see on my 990 that, uh, um, my, my accountant is actually, because a lot of our money comes from our participation in movies. Now, not since COVID, but like 80% of our budget would come from for-profit partners. And so she would say, you know, you're the only organization I've ever worked with where I have to, to do kind of, kind of do some accountant magic to make it look like not so much of your money goes to mission. <laughs> Because the IRS would find it strange that 126% of your donations goes to mission. That's because our movie partnerships that aren't tax-deductible donations would cover 100% of our our operating costs and would actually contribute also to mission. So um, our organization is unique, and I designed it that way, and here's why. I knew that Rene Girard, the Catholic anthropologist, said to be in solidarity with the vulnerable is to become vulnerable that when you feign concern for the vulnerable, it brings wealth, it brings power, it brings fame. But when you actually wait in to serve those who are actually vulnerable, like the child in the womb, right, uh, you're not going to get Facebook, Twitter, Google, uh, big tech companies, the mainstream media, the IRS, you know, go, the government. They're, 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 their wind is not going to be at your back. So when I created Hero, I said, how am I going to fund this? And so I think we've been very unique that it's it's, my public speaking it's our, our movies our latest movie divided hearts of america um starring benjamin Watson, is going to be on fox nation all this fall we just signed a contract with that came money and so we're able to use that to cover operating costs but like this afghan project we just hired an intelligence officer who is who speaks dari uh who managed the country's devout catholic was wounded there and almost died we're hiring an air force uh, officer, uh, another Special Forces officer. We're in, hiring interpreters. Why? Because most of my time has been spent comforting family members mm. whose, whose families either died or they've been abandoned, and dealing with phone calls from our people that are panicked, uh, and Catholics. We're working with Catholics in Afghanistan who are panicked and fearing for their life. So we're hiring former interpreters that are in the United States to, to work with these families and to also work with um, the people who are serving in Afghanistan. So when you go to thegreatcampaign.org, um, you will be standing shoulder to shoulder with the most vulnerable people in the world, and they're in Afghanistan. And that has always been our mission. To me, that's what Catholic social teaching is. And it's best represented by the Pieta, where you have a creature, Our Lady, who, who the Trinity thought of out of all eternity. But there you have the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, draped across Our Lady, when we serve the vulnerable, when we, I get to know these people very well. You know, I went to Iraq and documented the destruction of our Christian communities by ISIS. And I get to, to I, I, I fall in love with these people. The Afghans are a charming people. You will love them. And, um, but they're being brutalized. Just 150,000. A lot of people don't understand this. There are just 150,000 Taliban fighters. Do you know? 120 ISIS fighters took Mosul in Iraq. And that's because these people don't have, you know, I'm from Hawaii, but I live in Texas now. And let me tell you, 120 fighters, ISIS fighters, aren't going to take my little town in the hill country. Of, uh, <laughs> Good Texas. luck. Ain't going to happen. <laughs> yeah, because we are. Look, I was an infantryman. My son fought in Iraq and Syria. My dad fought. My dad was a Vietnam-era infantryman. My grandpa fought in Korea in World War II. My great-grandpa was a British cavalry officer. And, and on my American side, we, could, we every generation has served. And we have a culture of military, we have a military culture. It, it, we always talk about other countries' military cultures, but I can tell you as I travel the world, um, we are the military culture. We're the only people that falls from planes to pick a fight in your backyard. Yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> uh, we're a military culture. So how has the Taliban able to rip through sort of these communities that yeah. are radicalized, these communities that they just don't have weapons? They don't have a culture of a military culture. They're a beautiful charming people, and so many of these people that I'm serving, I know personally, they're better than me. They're holier than me. I'm, 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 my autobiography, I'm getting ready to sign a contract with a Catholic publisher on my autobiography. It's called On Rocky Soil, um, you know, a spiritual autobiography from someone you might not meet in heaven. I'm not the best person. I'm not the hardest working person. I'm not the smartest person. Um, and this isn't fa- false humility, humility. Humility. This is me uh, um, as a Catholic, authentically, you know, reflecting on who I am. The, the people I'm serving, they're better than me. They're harder working than me. They're noble. Uh, they're beautiful. But because of my unique situation, I can serve them. Mm. I can help them. And that's what it is. That is what Catholic social teaching tells us. You know, we, when we see a leper as a Catholic, you know that you're living your faith when you are compelled to kiss that leper. When everyone else is, is pulling away in revulsion, you, as Catholics, we must be attracted to that, to hold them. You know, we would rather get leprosy than to let that leprosy feel abandoned and alone. Mm. That's what Catholic social teaching is. All right. And now, the lepers of the world are the people we've abandoned in Afghanistan.
2: Well, we are out of time with Jason Jones, but the website is thegreatcampaign.org. I would encourage you, consider donating and uh, being a supporter of this incredible mission to bring these vulnerable people into safety. Jason Jones, thank you for your time today. We're very grateful. God bless All right, we're going to go to break. Come back for breaking news. And Tom Satterley and Jen, don't go anywhere.
0: If there's one thing atheists and theists can agree on, it's the fact that we've all felt the problem of God's hiddenness and have cried out, where are you, God? The difference, however, is atheists think this is a reason to reject God and theists don't. Why? Well, first, God is not entirely hidden. Sure, we can't know He exists by seeing or touching Him, But we can know He exists through logic and reason. There is also good reason to believe God has revealed Himself through Jesus of Nazareth. If Jesus is raised from the dead, then everything He said is true. Second, God's in-your-face presence wouldn't necessarily make things better. Even on the natural level, we don't like overbearing parents. Why would we want God to be that way? So while God's partial hiddenness is a mystery, it's not a good reason to embrace atheism. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com.
3: Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you.
4: Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, friends. I'm Janice Valenzuela, and here are your headline news for today. From Catholic News Agency, big tech censorship of religion is real and deserves an effective response. Critics say the power of major internet companies like Facebook, Amazon, YouTube, and Twitter over public life is a particular threat to religious groups that focus on controversial ish- issues like abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Several commentators said at a roundtable round last week, These groups should be prepared for the possibility of c- censorship and organize effective countermeasures, they say. From Catholic News Agency, Venezuelan bishop criticizes National Guard for obscuring aid to victims of rain and landslides. The Venezuelan bishop's conference criticized on Monday the Venezuelan National Guard for hindering the work of providing humanitarian aid to the regions affected by the recent heavy rains and landslides. From Vatican News, Nigerian bishop calls on Catholic politicians to make a difference difference to the nation's politics. The Catholic Bishops' Conference of Nigeria has called on Catholic politicians to make a difference in the Nigerian political sphere. The Taliban warns against future invasions of Afghanistan seeks global legitimacy. The Taliban hailed Tuesday the Department of International Forces from Afghanistan and their return to power as a big lesson for other invaders, urging the United States and the rest of the world to recognize Taliban rule. From VOA News, the U.S. President Joe Biden on Tuesday forcefully defended his decision to end the country's two-decade war in Afghanistan that leaves Taliban insurgents in power, just as they were in 2001. Quote, he states, We no longer need to fight a war that should have ended long ago, Biden said in half an in a half-an-hour addre- address to the White House. I refuse to open another decade of war in Afghanistan. End quote. From Crux now, Pope Francis appointed Argentinian theologian Emily Cuda as the new head of office of the Pontifical Commission for Latin America, a position she assumes starting on September 1st. She is a laywoman, a mother of two. Cuda will be working with the new secretary Rodrigo Guerra Lopez, a Mexican philosophy professor, also a layperson. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Tuesday, Wednesday.
2: Praise be to God in all things. Joining us right now by, by phone is Tom and Jen Satterley. Now, Tom has a, an extensive history as I've been sharing with you so far this hour. Uh, 25-year veteran of the Army, 20 in the Delta Force, uh, was in uh, Mogadishu, Black Hawk Down. He also led the team to capture Saddam Hussein. An extensive career of many and countless deployments, but also of the aftermath of what that means to to spend so many years in, in harm's way and the effects not only on our vets, but on their families as well. So Tom and Jen, Satterley, good morning to you. Thank you for being on allsecurefoundation.org is the website, by the way. Good morning.
6: Hey, good morning. morning. Thank you for having us on.
2: Yeah, praise be to God. Uh, we're very grateful for your time today. Uh, I want to start with the Afghanistan story in particular, and then I want to talk about the All Secure Foundation. But um how are vets feeling today? 20 year war, constant deployments, the difficulties, the challenges, the loss of life and so much more. Um, you're you probably have the pulse of many of the uh, special operators who have who have carried the brunt of so many of this uh, of this action. How are they feeling about the withdrawal from Afghanistan, what they've seen unveiled before them over these past few weeks?
6: It's It's been rough. I'll tell you, we're actually on Fort Bragg and have been here for the last three days talking to a lot of people about it. And it's 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 a lot of confusion, a lot of heartbreak, a lot of sadness, and a lot of trying to understand why it's happening this way. And I think our, our, our biggest goal um, for being here and for helping people now is to identify that what you choose to focus on is your reality, right? If we want to look at the bad, we're going to see the bad and be angry about it. If we can... We can look at the good and what, what has happened in 20 years. Did it all go away? Well, at least we've given somebody 20 years of hope. I mean, that's, that's kind of how we're trying to alleviate some of this pain that's happening right now.
2: Is the question coming up, was it worth it? Is that something guys are, and, and ladies are asking themselves right now?
6: Exactly. That's the question that keeps popping up. Was it worth it? Did we just throw it all away in these lives that have been lost? And it's, it's, it's tough to alleviate that pain when it happened in such a, a fast it seems like a non-military manner that you just pulled out without a plan. I mean, we've, we've done this before, and it seems like we didn't want to do it right this time, and we don't want to talk about how to do it better. We're just kind of waving our hand and saying it's gone, and that's hard for people to swallow, that they've dedicated so much of their life, some that I know have fought with their sons in battle. And now there's this entire family left with what was it all worth right now.
2: It seems like the toll on families is quite high, and something we've probably you know talked about many times in, in mainstream media, but I, I think it kind of is still under, understated, in my opinion. Is there a fear among the vets that we'll have to do this all over again, like uh, we're going to have to turn right back around and, and uh, you know, go back into Afghanistan at some point in the, in the future because of terrorists or other issues?
6: I think that we know that when we don't study history, it repeats itself. And I think this has happened again and again. And I mean, when you when you start to negotiate with an organization that's flying around with a helicopter, hanging people from it, it's it's you kind of wake up and say, that's not the organization we should be dealing with. And maybe we should stamp it out before they, you know, start to have training camps and and have an entire government with all of our equipment, right, setting Mm -hmm. up and going against us again in the future, which it happened 20 years ago. People screaming! I'll never forget. I'll never forget. And twenty years later, one's like, what, "What's what's the problem? I don't understand."
2: Yeah, um, Jen, let's talk to you for a moment. Uh, you, I know that listening to some of the interviews that you have done, you sort of got into the business of helping vets uh, in a in a way that you didn't intend. But uh, so be it. This is God's will, and you've been helping so many people. Uh, how have you been helping the families that are, especially this this last round of you know, uh, service members, mostly Marines who were lost outside that airport. How do you help families like that? How do you help them grieve? How do you help them uh, heal and move on?
8: You have to allow the process of all the stages of grief, of anger, of confusion, frustration, really just to be there for them and meet them where they're at. Um, everyone has a different process of grief. And certainly these families who just lost uh, their their husbands or their children or brothers and sisters are angry <clears throat> right now, of course. And we have to allow them to have that space to say, it's okay to feel what you're feeling and it's okay not to feel okay. And I think, you know, what we try to do when we nurture is say, um, you know, it's okay you know, time will heal. And, and really, I don't meet people at that place. I just meet them with where are you at? And how can I help you? And that's different for every person.
2: We're talking with Tom and Jen Satterley. They have an organization called All Secure Foundation, allsecurefoundation.org, which uh, specializes in helping, uh, especially the special operations community, which is something that I want to bring up here before we go to this break. In the last twenty years of continual war, I mean, I enlisted in the Marine Corps in ninety one for the first Gulf War. And in ninety one, special forces were used, but it was sort of uh like begrudgingly by some of the command generals. They they didn't trust special forces. We all remember what happened in the desert of Iran and, and the Iranian rescue attempt. Uh so and then, all of a sudden, it became it seemed like the burden of the Special Operations community to really carry the war effort in all many countries, not just Iraq or Afghanistan, but in Africa, many places so Tom, you've been a, a veteran of the Special Forces community for almost thirty years. Um, what is that burden like to have to constantly be deployed what What is that like for us
6: It's a heavy, heavy blanket um, of secrecy. there's so many so many days um, of suicidal ideation, of am I worthy? Have I done my job on earth? Is it time to go? Am I in the way now? These problems that we cause, these anger outbursts, these these feelings and emotions of shame that are so heavy that we're not good enough, we're no longer contributing to a society that we used to help and be a part of um, and, and, and elevated in is, is, is the issue and the problem. But it's hard to you have to be self-aware. You have to become more self-aware, look inward and get to work on the things that are bothering you because it is biological that changes in your body. Literally, I've had brain scans showing me with doctors pointing to the pictures of my brain saying, are you angry all the time? Are you are you really quick to violence? Are you difficulty sleeping? Are you lethargic and non-empathetic? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's like you're writing my story and my <laughs> wife's in the wow. background crying. And she's like, "This is the proof we need to show these people it's not their fault." Mm. Wow! It's a, it's a heavy life to live when you blame yourself.
3: What do and you, and What do your lay spouse- people need to understand about this? You have a uh, people who are you have children, grown up uh, children who are have uh, was raised with people who were veterans and uh, and spouses and family and friends who have friends and family who are veterans who are going through this. What should uh, we know about veterans coming back from war, coming back from all these, uh, from being deployed? Uh, What do we need to be aware of? And we have about one minute before we go to break.
6: Safety, security, attachment, and connection. Every single human on the planet needs that. And when that starts to go away, we break down. So we need to listen to them, share their stories, let them share their stories and, and, and be empathetic and cry with them and then get them back to work get them right back into the tribe and contributing again and not living in the rearview mirror of what I did, but what's in the future ahead.
2: Wow, we are going to be going to a break here in a moment, but uh, Tom and Jen Satterley are from the uh, All Secure Foundation, allsecurefoundation.org, an organization that's helping vets and their families, especially within the special operations community, who, again, have carried so much of the burden these last 20 years. Um, They're not the only ones, but they've been impacted quite a bit. So we're going to have a conversation about what that impact looks like in particular on the other side of this break. Don't go
3: anywhere. We'll be right back.
1: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Psalm 1, verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. What does that mean? Don't hang around with bad people? No, according to G.K. Chesterton, it means something much better than that. He says that there are certain people who, because they are really pure, create a good atmosphere around themselves. They are truly children of light, and the light shines on everything they touch. When a righteous person stakes out a clear position, we recognize that it's something solid and vital and eternal. So it's not that hanging around bad people makes us bad, it's that being righteous can help make the people hanging around us righteous too. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org
2: Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to God. We're having a conversation with Tom and Jen Satterley from the All Secure Foundation, allsecurefoundation.org. And if you're just joining us, Tom is a 25-year veteran of the U.S. Army, 20 years of which in Delta Force deployed all over the world, really, in, uh, in many combat situations to include Iraq and Somalia. And he's been in Afghanistan and other places. Uh, Tom, I, I want to come back by asking you about uh, that time. Maybe you can give us the uh, sort of the, the brief version of that time you were you were very close to committing suicide and what that was like for you.
6: It was a two block drive for me when I was just a normal work day, albeit I wasn't as happy that day. Um, two block drive. I ended up in a parking garage and I just had this moment of I'm in the way. My time here is done. I, I was in the midst of another divorce. My son wasn't really talking to me because I was never home and I felt like a burden to society and I wanted to just remove myself I'd spent 25 years fixing or removing problems and I couldn't fix myself in my mind so I wanted to remove myself and that was the the moment that I just decided to do it and it was it was scary to even think back how easy it was to get to that moment in such a short time from a normal day
2: (laughs) wasn't it uh Jen that uh, basically stepped in and saved your life that day
6: it was. Two of my close friends were in the back seat of the car and they jumped out and were heading to the bar like normal. And I, I was like, I'm going to uh, make a phone call. And Jen had noticed we didn't really know each other that well at the time. But she had noticed because she was outside the, the circle of, of people acting the same way that she realized the difference in my behavior that day and took notice that I was never late. I would never miss the bar at the time in my life. And she started texting me. And I kept ignoring it. And then finally, she just sent a message that said, you're late. And once I looked at it and I saw I was late, I immediately snapped back into, I'm never late. I cleared my (laughs) pestle, put it away, and and stormed on down there so I wouldn't be late. And uh, (laughs) I didn't tell her her about that for about two months, uh, at which point she freaked out and decided to start changing our career.
2: Wow. Jen, out of all the the people that you've talked to uh, who are coming back and dealing with so much trauma in their life... How common is suicide, attempted suicide, addictions, things things of this nature, depression, how common is that theme among all the, the vets that are having to uh, move on with their life?
8: It's extremely common. In fact, research is showing that special operators who have combat PTS, suicidal ideation is about 90%, so it's very, very high. Wow. Um, in fact, we know that veteran suicide, about 89% of what's happening, um, the suicide is coming after a family disturbance. So a divorce, domestic violence, some sort of incident, or really the, the lack of that purpose that Tom talked about, I'm um, in the way. And this is extremely common.
2: What about the impact on families, uh, in many cases, the wives, the children at home? Uh, these dads are coming back. They've been traumatized through combat, Uh, How easy is it, or rather, how hard is it for them to reintegrate into family life? It's
8: pretty difficult. Uh, When you are trained and highly trained, you have muscle memory and it develops. And so that muscle memory doesn't just turn off and on. And what's required of our warriors overseas is to act in violence, is to have aggression. is all of these measures of fighting and staying alive and coming back home isn't just as easy as flipping it back off when you come in the door. So we have, um, you know, double the suicide rate in spouses where there's combat PTS in the home. Children have a 17% higher chance of suicide. So we have a war torn country. It just looks different than the other countries.
3: What is it about today? And uh, the present era, where it seems like PTSD is incredibly high, suicide rate among veterans is very high. And but when we look in the past, it seemed like uh, before modern warfare, that wasn't the case. Is this a reality, or is it just statistics we didn't catch up, or is it something unique about modern warfare and modern society that uh, doesn't allow people to uh, to get back to life?
8: I think that the research and statistics weren't present at that time. We weren't looking at veteran suicide in World War II. However, it was pretty common. Um, in fact, Tom's publisher, um, he, his father committed suicide, um, when he got back from World War II about 10 years after the incidence of family violence was very high in our, in our World War II veterans as well. So it wasn't that it wasn't happening. It was just that it was under the radar and society wasn't picking up on it. Do I think it's greater now? Yes. Um, Special operations suicides have tripled over the last three years. So we do have an epidemic. Um, I told Tom, I said, you know, if if there were 8,000 kindergarten teachers committing suicide every year, for sure we would be talking about it. But somehow it's been normalized that because these are combat warriors, Um, somehow this has been normalized to some degree, and and that's pretty scary.
2: Tom, I want to talk about the pressure on um, Special Forces operators, but just service members in general, especially those that serve in combat. As a kid, you know, Sergeant York and uh, The Longest Day and Full Metal Jacket. I memorized Full Metal Jacket before I went to boot camp, and uh, you know, uh, Hamburger Hill, all of these from Platoon, all of these films. But I also think about that movie Navy SEALs with Charlie Sheen and how the, the, the SEALs came busting through the windows and the doors, all the precise time precision everywhere. It was so it was so romantic. It was so attractive to a young man. And, uh, and we had these no, sort of these noble vision of war. Um, tell me about the pressure of what it's like to be uh, a warrior in, in this modern era with the pressure of Hollywood and this romantic notion of what war is versus what it is not.
6: The pressure is extremely high to behave like that Hollywood icon. You know, when really what you see are these special operations individuals who are reclusing into themselves and hiding out because they don't feel good enough ever. Even in even in the building I worked in for twenty years, and I and I talk about it openly, but I never felt good enough to be there. I never felt deserving and finally, I find out every single person in that building says they felt the same way. Wow. I never felt good. I thought you were better. And I'm like, what a tool to make you work harder, which that's what I did. I worked harder. I'll be better. But it destroyed us because we kept telling ourselves we weren't good enough. So we do that with the muscle memory and everything we do in life. And We just don't we, when we get out, we no longer feel purposeful or we should be there. So we kind of recluse and we don't open up leadership responsibility roles in our communities back home like we should. And we just kind of sink away and feel like we're nothing anymore. And that's why we're, that's, that's where we're trying to help people. That's where we're trying to get them that you are somebody, you know, you don't peak, you can still peak. You can continue to peak and offer help for people.
2: I have a, I was just with a family friend uh, this past weekend. Their son is in the Marines, station in Japan. And he was, you know, they were telling me how he was struggling to uh, decide whether or not to reenlist, to come home And he just wasn't sure. And I said to them, you know, a man needs a mission. It's part of who we are. It's part of our DNA. Men have to be on mission. They're either serving their families, serving their country. They have to be serving something. And he has to know that there's something to come back and serve too. Tom, would you say that was a part of your struggle, 25 years in the Army, special operator, tip of the spear, all of that, and then you seem to struggle, which kind of led to that moment where you were contemplating suicide. Is that part of helping vets is to help them refocus on a mission that's different than what they've been used to all this time?
6: That is exactly what we're doing we're taking taking the skills that these veterans have and tell us when they're crying and breaking down that I don't have any job skills, I don't have this and I'm I'm like oh you can't plan anything. <laughs> you can't do a primary, alternate contingency and emergency plan and when those fail you don't have SOPs to fall back on, the standard operating procedures. I go you've been trained to do this, but change is scary. You just have to face it. So they have the skills, they have the energy, they have the mindset, they have the training. They just need the the uh the lift and the boost and, and the conversation that, hey, you're somebody. You could contribute and continue to contribute to society in a different way.
3: You know, that makes me think of, uh, say, Ignatius of Loyola, the idea of a man on a mission. Um, you know, the we had, I think that modern era, we kind of taken God out of the military. we kind of taken God out of everything, the school system, everything. And so whenever things become hard— we don't have our faith to fall back on we have to we fall back on our on our own human strength which fails and um i think of St. Ignatius of Loyola who was a warrior who had his knee blown off by a cannonball but then uh, through finding christ and finding a mission and the evangelization of people and the salvation of souls uh dedicated his life to that uh, do you see that they a lack of lack of faith as a issue and that as a solution
6: I think that there's a direct connection in the lack of what you just spoke of and the issues that people are having. The lack of faith, the loss of, um, of, of faith, the feeling of I'm going to hell anyway because I've done something I was told to never do. Mm. And I was trained so well at it, I didn't even think about it until later. And then the moral injury creeps in and they're left wondering, I did what I wasn't supposed to do. And I did it so well, I didn't think about it. But now it's all right here to think about. So we have to get them back into forgiveness, back into the life, back into the, the way that they know they can move forward again and feel good about themselves.
2: Jen, uh, we're running out of time here, but I wanted to ask, uh, if there's a, a wife out there whose husband's serving in the military or who uh, parents who have sons that are enlisted and, and possibly deployed overseas, and they may be very concerned right now, they may be very worried, especially given this week's festivities coming out of Afghanistan, uh, what would you say to them? Uh, what could you say that might give them some peace?
8: I would say that there is a way forward. Where there is injury, there is healing. And I know that sometimes it feels really hopeless and it feels really heavy and it feels really big. But if you break it down step by step, baby steps to healing, you will have big results. And All Secure Foundation is here to help support that, whatever that looks like for you, whatever that journey is. There are so many of us that care and love and want to support not only our warriors, but our warrior families. You're not alone, you're never alone.
2: Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. Uh, Tom and Jen Satterley, allsecurefoundation.org. We're very grateful for your time. And Tom, thank you for your your service, your dedication to our country. We're very grateful to you. Thank you so much for having us on. We really appreciate it. All right. Praise be to God. God bless you both. Have a great day. Check it out, allsecurefoundation.org. Spread the word. If you know somebody, a family, friend, whoever that uh, is a vet needs some help, allsecurefoundation.org may be a fantastic place to go to get that. But that is going to do it for the first hour of Catholic Drive Time. Praise Jesus. We had a great conversation with Jason Jones and then Tom and Jen. But uh, we're going to go to a break. We're going to come back for our second hour. Some uplifting and inspiring news is coming, plus the game show prizes are at stake and you could win you could win all you need to do is be our caller when the time is right or just go to our website and find the phone number there at 877 oh no uh, you got to go to the website grnonline.com forward slash cdt that's grnonline.com forward slash cdt god love you god bless you we'll see you back here 6 a.m central tomorrow thank you for
0: joining us on your catholic drive time
4: Why do Protestants not believe John 6 when it says that Jesus' flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink?
8: I don't know.
5: In Matthew 26, Mark 14, and Luke 22, Jesus says of the bread, this is my body. He says of the wine, this is my blood. Not this is symbolic of or this represents. He says this is. In John 6, he repeats himself like he does nowhere else in Scripture to emphasize the fact that he expects us to eat his flesh and drink his blood, and that his flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink. Anyone who says he is speaking symbolically and not literally, simply is refusing to look at all the facts. Fact number one, the Jews took him literally. We see that in verse 52. Fact number two, his disciples took him literally. We see that in verse 60. Fact number three, the apostles took him literally. Verses 67 to 69. If everyone who heard him speak at the time took him literally, then my question is, why does anyone today, 2,000 years after the fact, take him symbolically? Also, in verse 51 of John 6, Jesus says that the bread which he will give for the life of the world is his flesh. When did he give his flesh for the life of the world? On the cross. Was that symbolic? If you think Jesus is speaking symbolically here when he says that we must eat his flesh and drink his blood, then you must also conclude that Jesus' death on the cross was only symbolic. It wasn't really Jesus hanging up there. It was symbolic flesh and symbolic blood. Jesus is clearly talking about the flesh that he gave for the life of the world. He did that on the cross. Those who believe He is talking symbolically here in John 6 have a real problem when it comes to John 6, verse 51. Did Jesus give us His real flesh and blood for the life of the world? Or was it only His symbolic flesh and blood?
6: A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your
2: soul. Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to
0: talk about Him.
1: Getting you started on your day.
0: With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious.
1: It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time.
2: Now here's your
3: host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ.
2: Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. It's good to be on with you today. Is the opening day for uh for dove hunting for those of you that are into that, but in particular, our colleagues from the Guadalupe Radio Network in the south and central Texas are out this morning and they are launching uh out into the deep here with their opening day dove hunt, which supports SAFA in San Antonio, San Antonio Family Association, but it also becomes a big uh support for our operations in south and central texas today so we're going to keep them in our prayers and hope that that goes really well i wish i could be with you unfortunately i wasn't able to get out during the middle of the week but i am coming out on friday so it's uh it's going to be fun to bring some of my sons to the the safe a dove hunt this friday in uh, outside san antonio castorville i'm looking forward to that uh, but we just wrapped up a great conversation with tom and jen saturday tom uh i mean the real deal you think of uh you know war veterans heroes warriors tom's the real deal 25 years in the army 20 years in delta force i mean delta force we all remember uh the movies delta force black hawk down all these crazy movies as a kid that uh that i watched Well, you know, that was his life, uh, but it was the real version instead of the Hollywood version, and the impacts and the effects on families are real. Great conversation with Tom and Jen about that and their organization, All Secure Foundation. We'll be posting that conversation at some point on on our YouTube, Odyssey, Rumble, all of that. Everything's linked on our website, by the way. But also, Jason Jones was on. His organization is trying to rescue people out of Afghanistan, is rescuing people out of Afghanistan. Jason Jones was on great conversation good update there we'll again post that conversation as well on our website on our social streams and all of it but you can always catch the podcast by the way download the the, the uh, guadalupe radio network mobile app you'll be able to listen to the podcast of catholic drive time right on the app itself just search your ios or, or android store for the guadalupe radio network good morning to you Janice.
4: joe good Pray- morning joe yeah
2: praise be to god good news coming
4: Yes, I'm looking forward to shedding some uh, positive news. Positive initiative. news. <laughs>
2: well, we always do the, 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 the more difficult, heavy-hitting news in the first hour, positive news in the second hour to kind of keep things light or fair. But we also have a game show coming. That's going to be fun.
4: Yeah, especially with the prize that we have for this week.
2: Yep, and the prize is? Maybe you can share that.
4: Uh, it's a, a medallion of the Sacred Heart of Jesus from Argentina. It's a hundred dollar, one hundred and forty dollar value. So we can, well, we'll share more details about it soon before yeah, the game the show. Praise but, be to God.
2: Speaking mm-hmm. of one hundred and forty dollar value, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones
3: and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Are you saying that I'm only worth one hundred and forty dollars? Did I say <laughs> that? Was that what? Is that what I, what well, I heard? It, I'm trying to I, distinguish between out loud and inner
2: voices. Have I not accomplished that no, yet? No, no. You said huh. that out loud. Okay, Everybody okay. heard that. I'm, Everyone. I'm writing
3: it down. I'll now know better next time. I'm, I'm gravely offended, just, <laughs> just for the record. Uh, just write, write that down. Put it. Let it be known. Adrian Fonseca is gravely offended. You got uh, it, buddy. There we go. I'm writing it down. <laughs> Nonetheless, With it pin. is still good to be here, despite despite everything in and spite it's still it good to be here <laughs> in spite of it all. Well, praise be to God. Those were good conversations. Oh, they were great conversations. I, I really enjoyed it. And Jason Jones is always a blast to listen to. Uh, he you just uh, set him up with a question, let him run. It's great. I love hearing Jason talk. Yeah. And uh and Tom was uh, yikes. Dude, that that's heavy hitting. That's heavy hitting right there. It so. was. Yeah, pretty
2: pretty heavy for sure, but uh, boy, I enjoyed the conversation. All right, so we are going to jump into the hour. We're going to have good news with Janice here in a moment, and then we have a saint of the day, a gospel of the day, and then we play Fear and Trembling, and you could win the prizes. You only have to be our first caller to do that. You can find the phone number right on our website. You can call early, sit on hold if you wish, or wait for me to tell you the phone number, but the website is grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Let In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now the good news with Janice Valenzuela.
4: Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, friends. I'm Janice, and here are your headline news for today from National Catholic Register. Baltimore opens its first new Catholic school in about sixty years. The first new Catholic school built in Baltimore was roughly sixty has roughly sixty years opened its doors on August thirtieth to hundreds of young children who entered the gleaming new building with a mix of enthusiasm and first-day jitters. From Alatia News, Italy's gold medalist sprinter shares his secret reconciling with his father. An Italian runner, Lamont Marcel Jacobs Jr. made history on Sunday, August 1st by winning the 100-meter race at the Tokyo Olympics and securing the gold medal for his country. A message received from his father before the race was instrumental in inspiring and motivating Jacob's victory. From Alatia Pope, the Pope Pope Francis sends pandemic relief to Vietnam. Pope Francis donated 100,000 euros to Vietnam to help country fight against the pandemic and its consequences. This important financial gesture made for the service of integral human development shows the constant interest that Pope Francis has to participate in global humanitarian efforts. From Catholic News Agency, a young mother of three advances towards the path of sainthood, Pope Francis authorizes the promulgation of decrees concerning the heroic virtues of the servant of God Enrica Betrami Quatorci, the daughter of a couple beatified in 2001. Pope Francis also advances the sainthood cause for an Italian Catholic priest who saved Jews in World War II. Like St. Saint- Maximilian Kolbe, Father Cortes was a Franciscan friar who di- directed a Catholic publication and was tortured and killed by the Nazi Nazis. Pope Francis tosses speech to listen to 200 formerly homeless people. The French organization known as, in English as the Lazarus Association combats homelessness by running homes where young adults and families can live together. From Epic Times, a female soccer player at Western Michigan wins temporary restraining order against vaccine mandates. Four Christian female soccer players won the first round in their s- suit against Western Michigan University. From Alatia News, Catholics in Poland hold a day of solidi- solidarity with people of Afghanistan. The Poland's bishop uh, campaigns a nationwide prayer of day of fasting and prayer from the National Catholic Register new woman deacons are commissioned to meet with unclear agenda with Pope Francis next week the new commission for the study of women and the diaconate will meet for one week in Rome beginning on September 13th the coming commission constitutes the fourth fourth discussion group in recent history to discuss women deacons there and those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Wednesday.
3: The saint of the day is Saint Lupus of Sens. He was born in the late 5th century near Orleans, Gaul, which is in modern day France. He was born to the Burgundian nobility and he was early noted to have a love of Christ in his church. He was a nephew of Saint Austerimus of Orleans and the Saint Honorius of Auxer, who both saw to his education. He was noted for his love of music and his generosity to the poor. He became a monk at Lorenz and became a priest and archbishop of Sens Burgundy, which is modern day France, in 609. When Lupus hesitated to acknowledge Clotier II as the rightful ruler of Burgundy and insisted that the will of God trumps the will of rulers, Clotier used the excuse of slander about Lupus and a woman to exile him to Ansen, a predominantly pagan area. Lupus evangelized the people of the era in conver- area and converted many, including the region's governor. When Lupus's replacement in Burgundy, the politically ambitious monk Montsagiselle, was killed during a riot, the people demanded the return of their rightful bishop. Clotier recalled Lupus and punished those who had spoken against him. Legend says that once when celebrating mass a jewel descended from heaven into the elevated chalice. He died in 623 in Br- Brignon son Sir Amacion Ion in France of natural causes. He was buried under the gutter of Saint Columba's Basilica in Sens France. Saint Lupus of Sens pray for us. Praise be to God in all
2: things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 4, verses 38 through 44. After Jesus left the synagogue, he entered the house of Simon. Simon's mother-in-law was afflicted with a severe fever, and they interceded with him about her. He stood over her, rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up immediately and waited on them. At sunset, all who had people sick with various diseases brought them to him. He laid his hands on each of them and cured them. And demons also came out from many, shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and did not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. At daybreak, Jesus left and went to a deserted place. The crowds went looking for him. And when they came to him, they tried to prevent him from leaving them. But he said to them, To the other towns also, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God, because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Cyril of Alexandria really had a great quote today, pointing out, the power of the flesh of Christ, which was amazing, it made me think of of the Holy Eucharist. In fact, um, but Bede Bede brings up a real quick point about the devils and what they knew. He says the devils confessed the Son of God, as it is afterwards said they knew Him to be Christ. For when the devil saw Him distressed by fasting, he perceived Him to be truly man. But when he prevailed, uh, when he prevailed not in his trial, he doubted whether or not. He were the son of God, but now by the power of Christ's miracles, he either perceived or suspected him to be the son of God. It goes on to say, of this mystery hidden from the world, the apostle says that none of the princes of the world knew, for if they had known, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. Hmm. I love that. Adrian, what did you find?
3: Yes, so I wanted to talk about the same topic of whether or not the demons knew that he was God. Now, this is a disputed point in theology of whether or not the demons were aware that Jesus was God. Um, all theologians agree that at the beginning—well, okay, I'm not going to say all theologians. All the fathers and most of the mystics and saints agree that the, that the demons did not know that he was God initially, at least— that initially, at the very beginning, when Christ was born, they did not know that that was God. And, but, uh, the, what is one point that is being made is that the demons were attentive. The demons are attentive. They're very attentive. They watch us, you and I, and they see everything we do. So even though the apostles may have fallen asleep when watching with Christ, the demons did not. Whenever maybe the, the apostles would lose interest in what things that, that, the, uh, that our Lord would say, the demons did not. No, And if, our, if the apostles were distracted, the disciples walked away, the demons never walked away. They observed everything. The demons, though they do not have infallible knowledge, though they do not know everything, they observe everything. They see everything. They, re- they live for all, all time. And once they are alive... They take these information in. And so they're aware of the Old Testament prophets. They're aware of the Old Testament prophecies. They were there when they saw Elijah send down fire from heaven through the power of God. And so when they see our Lord do these things, they're like, okay, he may be a prophet. He's another miracle worker, but is he the Messiah? And so they start collecting this information. And we see in this passage where we see here yesterday as well, when the demons call him the son of God. And at this point, it is disputed whether or not the demons now recognize, oh, this is the Son of God. This is the Messiah. And they recognize it finally, and they're aware of it. And then they, and now they're going full force trying to attack him. And so this is what we see here at present, and this is the dispute among theologians. But this is incredibly uh, apropos for us today, because we need to be aware that the demons are coming after us. They're smarter than us, but they are weaker than God. They are not infallible. They do not even compare to the power of God. Mm. They are nothing in comparison to God. And Amen. we have to be aware of that. Yeah, praise
2: be to God. All right, time to play our game. You could win prizes, dear listener, but you have to be our first caller to do it. And it's all Easy Question Wednesday today. You don't need to know the answers to when. It's that easy and fun. The phone number is 877-757-9424. Call right now, 877-757-9424. Phone lines are open, waiting for your call at 877-757-9424. Prizes are at stake at 877-757-9424. We'll be right back, don't go anywhere. Game show's coming up next.
8: We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at CatholicsComeHome.org.
0: Protestants like to use James 2.10-11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in one fifteen he affirms it saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 through 11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So, James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life guided by the holy spirit we compiled the bible we are the catholic church with over 1 billion in our family sharing in the fullness of christian faith in the church started by jesus if you've been away visit catholicscomehome.org today welcome home
7: welcome to another round of fear and trembling the catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by
3: the seat of your pants it's a 50 50 chance and prizes are involved
1: avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth call now to take your shot
2: 877-757-9424 and now your host joe mcclain praise be to god welcome back to catholic drive time and fear and trembling, the phone lines were down, so if you tried to call over the break uh, i 'm sorry, we rebooted them, but try call back right now because the phone lines are back up, and they are available, so the phone number is eight seven seven 757 9424 Call right now. Looking for our caller at 877-757-9424. Not sure why we keep having phone problems around here, but hopefully we'll get that resolved soon. 877-757-9424 is the phone number. Looking for our caller to play the game at 877-757-9424. 2-4. So uh, while we're waiting for the caller to come on board, let me just tell you how this works. We do have sort of a secret agenda in all of this. We don't like to tell anybody about that, so you, you do have to keep this secret in between us. But uh, I like to teach the faith, so we look for teachable moments in the questions. Praise be to God. You might learn something you didn't know before. That's awesome. And then, of course, we like to uh, have fun, and our callers tend to be a lot of fun. They laugh with us, and we really like that part. And then, of course, we give prizes which makes it a winner for everybody involved but the kicker is the caller does not need to know the answers to the questions to still win the game they could win and not know a single correct answer and that makes it fun and the reason is because i won't ask them i'll ask janice I'll ask Adrian. One of them will be right, the other will be wrong, and the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Who do they trust more, Janice or Adrian? And then every right answer goes into the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Janice, what could they win?
4: This week's prize, we have a beautiful medallion from the Sacred Heart, uh, hand embroidered from a uh, awesome Catholic Etsy shop called Benedicta Catholic Art. Her website is www.etsy.com shop slash benedicta catholic art. And she specializes in creating embroidered medallions. And these medallions um, can be used as home decorative pieces or um, book holders or uh, bookmark holders. And a lot of the the, the, the clients seem to be uh, purchasing them to Give them as a baptismal gift for newborns or baby cribs or um, uh, baptismal gifts for families. So, um, this is a $140 worth item from Catholic Benedicta Art
2: wow praise be to god that sounds like a good deal uh god is good now we do have some people on the phone but i gotta say we're still seemingly having a lot of a phone system problems so uh, please uh pray and intercede for us uh so that we get the phone lines situated because it makes it hard to play the game when the phone lines aren't working but maria are you there
8: yes i'm here
2: praise be to god maria it's good to have you on our show where are you calling from
8: San
2: Antonio and
8: just
5: to let
2: you know the phone no I'm connected Oh the time, so Well this so, is, so we're having phone problems, you're having phone problems. Well this is gonna be fun Maria, praise be to God. Do you know how the game is played?
5: You
2: hear me? Do you know how the game is played, Maria? Yes I'm for the
8: game. I just
2: Okay. Well, let's play then. Let's jump in and uh, let's uh, pray for our guardian angels to protect our phone connection for us so that we might uh, play the game here. But we will go with Janice first, as is our custom. Janice, are you ready?
4: Yes, I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes, I'm ready. Are you sure? Um, maybe not.
2: <laughs> well, Janice, <But laughs> can you tell me what was the name of the upper room where Christ and his apostles ate the Last Supper? Mm. What do we call that room?
4: That would be the Pentecost room. The
2: Pentecost room.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm. Because that's where the Holy Spirit came to them.
2: Okay. In the upper room. Mm. Okay. Okay. Let's uh, let's just get a second opinion on this. Uh, Adrian, uh, can you tell me what was the name of the upper room where christ and his apostles ate the last supper instituted the sacrament of the holy eucharist and the priesthood by the way yes that would be the cynical the
3: cynical um that's not the same thing as the pentecost room no no it's, huh. in fact it's a it's a room that is a uh, made for discussion discussion room Interesting.
4: Cynical interesting. conversations. Wow,
3: Cynic. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Maria, let me summarize for you. Uh, we're looking for the name of the upper room, but uh, Adrian says it's called the Cynical, and Janice says it's the Pentecost Room. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Maria, what say you?
5: Adrian.
3: Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> That's right. She's sure that it's me. She's certain. <laughs> Congratulations, Maria Janice. Trying to be
2: very tricky over there. Did not fool you, and you are in fact in the coffee cup of divine providence. You could win. How do you feel? Feeling good. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. All right. Uh, this next question which might double your your chances to win the, the prize this week, is related to the first question. Hmm. Let's go to Adrian this time. Adrian, the Holy Eucharist, it is a sacrament, but it is also something else. What is the something else?
3: Yes, that would be... This is incredibly important. This is the very deep mm-hmm. and fundamental theology uh-huh. of the church, yeah. is that yeah. the Holy Eucharist is a sacrament mm-hmm. and it's a community meal. Uh, oh, mm-hmm. What? Sorry. It is a community meal. It is the Holy Eucharist is <sighs> a sacrament and a community meal. And,
2: and a community meal. Mm-hmm. Huh?
3: Very important. Very important. Huh. Okay. I'm going to get a
2: second opinion on this one. Uh, Janice, uh, can you tell us? The Holy Eucharist is a sacrament and a what? Fill in the blank. It's like grade school all over again.
4: That would be a sacrifice. A sacrifice. The Holy Eucharist is a sacrament and a sacrifice.
2: Wow. Okay. Okay. So, Maria, here's the deal. Um, Janice says the Holy Eucharist is a sacrament and a sacrifice, but Adrian seems to think That the Holy Eucharist is a sacrament and a community meal. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Maria, what say you? Uh,
8: Let me go with Janice this time. I'm not so sure.
2: (laughs) Survey says... (laughs) Yes! Oh, yes. Adrian. Uh, who, Who is your CCD teacher? I need to call them immediately. (laughs) <laughs> He's got no comments. Good job, Maria. <laughs> you are right. In fact, it is not a community meal. It is a sacrifice. It is it is us being present mystically at the foot of the cross to see our Lord and Savior
3: it pour himself It is a out. sacrifice.
2: Yes. Praise be to God. So, teachable moment there for many people, and God is so very good. But you have doubled your chances to win the game and the prize now. Congratulations, Maria. Are you ready for your third attempt? Yes, I am. Now, I'm going to warn you, Maria, this next question is definitely the hardest out of all three, and at least in my humble opinion. Um, This one's going to be tricky, so we have to listen very carefully to Janice and Adrian to see who is going to be trickier here. Okay, so let's do this. Are you ready? ready. Janice, we'll go back to you. Janice, can Mm -hmm. you tell me? Who was the oldest man mentioned in the Bible? Who was 969 years old?
5: Hmm.
4: I know what you're thinking. The oldest man in the okay. Bible. Yeah. So I I actually took a, a a biblical course about the old um uh just the old like lineage within the Old Testament, and I do uh-huh. recall uh-huh. that Moses was uh of. Okay. Mm-hmm. Moses lived Moses lived the longest you think so yeah Moses Moses is your answer yeah Moses lived a really long time
3: Wow okay
4: he actually lived so long uh that he thought he would see the promised land and he actually ended up not he he died right before God could reveal the promised land to him
2: all right so uh, Moses is your answer let's see what Adrian has to say Adrian can you tell me who was the oldest man mentioned in
3: the Bible who was 969 years old. Yes. So the, this person is, I'm going to go with Methuselah, Methuselah, which is very little known. Almost nobody knows who Methuselah is. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, in popular mythology, mm-hmm. there's like a book called "The Back to Methuselah, which is not a good book. I don't recommend it. <laughs> but uh, it is in reference to this character. All right.
4: That sounds like a name you made up. We're, we're, <laughs> we're
3: down to the wire here. We're almost running out of time.
2: Uh, Adrian says, the answer is Methuselah. Um, Janice seems to think it's Moses. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Maria, what say you? Adrian. Wow. (laughs) Wow. That's what I like to hear.
7: Wow. That's what I like
2: to hear. Maria, I am proud of you. I can't believe you didn't bite on that. Woo! She threw a fast curveball and you did not swing. I am very proud of you, Maria. Praise be to God. Thank you. Uh, congratulations you're in the cup for three Methuselah was the correct answer I'm surprised you guys didn't try for Adam that would have been a easier harder I don't know but praise be to God Maria we're going to put you on hold prayerfully we'll be able to talk to you to get your contact information so that in case it is God's will that you win on Friday uh, we'll be able to contact you and connect you to the, the show sponsor today but thank you for your time and thanks for being a good sport
1: thank
2: you for you too praise be to god and that is going to do it for the radio side of our show phone problems aside it ended very well so we're very grateful hopefully we'll get those phone problems resolved before tomorrow but either way if you can join us in the after show we would love to conversate with you uh about whatever's on your heart praise be to god we're gonna have henry sierra on tomorrow and uh and also, we're going to talk about human slave trade and a lot more coming up, 6 a.m. Central. see you then. God love you. Thank you for joining
0: us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here
2: on your favorite Catholic radio station.
1: Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again,
2: that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today.
0: Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.
2: Praise be to God. Welcome back to the after show of Catholic Drive Time, where we get a little bit more casual about our conversation. And for the CDT insiders, you know the deal. Commenting is... Is next to godliness? Is that a saying? I'm not sure. Or was that cleanliness? I forget. I think it's commenting, though. Uh, At any rate, if you're brand new here, if you're a first-time commenter, we lavish extra love upon you. Uh, A lot of mental distraction for me at the moment because the phone system has decided to go to war with us. We don't know why, but it's like it crashes constantly now. So we're going to have to get that resolved. And poor Maria is on the line, and we can't even talk to her. Like, the only way we can talk to her is if we put her on air. (laughs) But uh, Maria, you're probably in your car, not listening at this point, but we do have your phone number just in case. Joaquin, good morning to you. Praise be to God. It is good to see you. Josh Patterson, good morning to you. Gloria, Jan Lopez, good morning to you. Josh uh, Josh, Null, good morning. Lori Powell, good morning. Praise be to God. Good to see you guys. Nicola, good morning. Christy, Christy Anders, are you a brand new commenter? Is Christy Anders over on Facebook a brand new commenter? Uh, Not sure. Uh, A little. Maybe. Yes, err on the side of prudential judgment. Hallelujah. Good morning, Christy. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We're very grateful to you. Praise be to God. Uh, We we love our uh, brand new commenters. Buddy canine, good morning to you. Uh speaking of canine, did you see the story about the dogs left behind in Afghanistan? Apparently there is somebody trying to take care of them though. That was like a follow-up story out of yesterday. Patty, good morning. Thanks for hanging out with us. Over on YouTube, a lot of commenting people there. What's going on there? Who's online?
3: Uh let's see. Well, Buddy's on. You say, or do you say YouTube? YouTube. Oh, YouTube. Uh one second. Um Jeff and his family are on. Dominic, Sienna, and the like. Uh, Madeline from Spain is on. She said, Moses lives to be 120 and his eyes were never dimmed and his body uh, never dried up. That is why uh, the Jews say, Bye, Eis 100 on birthdays, which I'm assuming has something to do with um, may you live to be 120, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, Jacob uh, is on. He said, yes, it is indeed Methuselah. Uh, Teresa of Avila, Anna, is on with us. Praise be to God. She good said morning. she is working on applications, so pray for her. Uh, Sam Morgan is on. He said, uh, "The if anyone is looking for a great retreat center, there's a great one in Abbey of the Hills in South Dakota. Ten Dow said, good morning, CDT family. Good morning. Uh, Mary Barone is on with us. God bless you. Uh, she was our caller today. Angelo Bu- Bustimante is on with us. I said good morning to the CDT team and all brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Monica Cortez is on with us. Carmen, a new uh, commenter and a new listener, said good morning. I, I am a new fan. Your program is entertaining and interesting. I love CDT. Thank you for promoting the Catholic faith with such enthusiasm. God bless you. Carmen from Argentina. So we got you from all <laughs> over the states. If you're God. a first-time commenter, make sure to let us know so we give you the... Uh, information that you, uh, we give you recognition there. Amen. Clarissa said, Good morning uh, from her and her baby Anastasia. Uh, she said, uh, Then uh, Sienna wants to know how Emily's doing. I'd say we should get Emily on the show to talk about uh, Chicago and Chicago. what's going on with uh, Chi Town. Chi Town. Talk about uh, Cardinal Blaze Supich. Liz said, Wow, so early. <laughs> um, and I think that's everybody on YouTube. Melanie, uh, good morning to you. Thanks for
2: uh, joining us. Praise be to God. It's good to see you. Uh, let's see here. Over on Odyssey, Mike Kay has been uh, commenting. Praise be to God. Mike Kay, uh commenting on our, our conversations this morning. He says, I did not realize the depth of my disappointment until this week. And we're talking about our conversations about Afghanistan, veterans, etc., he says, as a 20-year Coast, Guard, Coast Guardsman and the dad of a soldier, I hurt for my fellow vets. This has been a terrible time for us all. Um, he goes on to say, veterans of every war in our history have suffered. The opium addicts we read about in the Old West were veterans of the Civil War. World War I and World War II guys were alcoholics. He said, my wife has a, uh, uh, an uncle, a shirt-tail uncle who served in the 82nd Airborne in Vietnam. Two years ago, at the age of 80, he decided he could not live with it anymore and ate a gun. We need to hold each other up. That's a tough story. That is a rough story. A few years back, I was uh, speaking at the Wisconsin Men's Conference, Milwaukee Men's Conference. It's one of the largest in the country, and I was pretty honored to be there. And and, um, I was... It was at the end of the event, and I was uh, uh, packing up my booth of all my, my stuff, my books and talks and all of that. And I was packing my stuff up, and um, a guy came up to me as the, everybody was getting ready to leave. This guy came up and he, I mean, he had to come a long way to find me, because we were, the, 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 the venue for the Milwaukee Men's Conference is this massive downtown auditorium that's incredibly ornate and beautiful and mass- we were up on the third floor. Me, Steve Bowman, and others, all the speakers were way up on the third floor. So he had to come a pretty long way, but all the guys were leaving, and he comes up, and he comes find me. And he gave me a big hug, and he said, I just confessed something I've been holding on to since Vietnam because of you, Uh, because of the talk that I gave. And I'm crying. He's crying. it was a pretty powerful moment about what God does through the imperfect And uh, it reminded me of the burden that so many vets are holding onto. Something Tom said today in his interview about not feeling good enough. It's interesting because uh, I, as a kid, as I said said to Tom, my whole life, I thought I would spend uh, a career in the military. My dad was career army. His dad served in the army. Uh, My uncles, cousins, everybody, military, military, military. So I knew I was going to end up in the military, but the question was where? You know, and I had this fascination with the Navy SEALs thanks to movies like the Navy SEALs with Charlie Sheen. Uh, Of course, you get uh, Delta Force movies in the 80s. You know, I ate all that stuff up. Every single military movie you could think of, you know, I had watched a dozen times or more. Um, But I was afraid that I wouldn't cut it in the Navy SEALs. If I tried out, I wouldn't make it through Buds. I was a little nervous about that. So instead, I went to the Marine Corps. Of course, three months of boot camp was hard, but I went anyway and survived praise be to god but you always feel like you're like you like this, this sense of not good enough and it's hard to imagine that our elite soldiers delta force seals those kind of guys tier one operators tip of the spear as we call them it's hard to believe that they would have that feeling and he he really made that point the pressure is high um they struggle with this notion of, of never being good enough. And I have to keep going back. As a Catholic who's completely biased, uh, I am biased for the Catholic faith. If you take God out of the equation, you are automatically stacked. Everything is stacked against you. That only God can fill, can fill the hole. Only God can heal the wounds. And, the, and by the grace of God do we have the sacraments. Um, I don't, I don't know what Tom's religious propensity is, but I think he, you brought up a great point there, Adrian, when you brought up St. Ignatius of Loyola. And
3: I, I think Tom really, uh, echoed your comments there, didn't he? Absolutely. I think, you know, with it, I keep thinking about this and I don't, I don't have any data about this. It's just a feeling I have. And Josh disagrees with me a little bit. I see reading him here, but you know, the thing is like, we've had war forever, like it's been it's been a thing that since we've had for all, all of time and the whole just like the notion of suicide itself, just ignoring military for just one second, just suicide itself is a pretty modern phenomenon in Western culture. It, you, it was it's common in Eastern cultures, but it was never common in Western cultures uh, due to Christendom. But then going back to war now, war has always been awful. Well, have always been evil. It's always been a wicked thing. That it was just a necessity of life, depending on the situation. But there was a couple things that made it different. Uh, one was that you had your faith in God. I think of the great stories of the saints going to the altar of Our Lady and giving them their, her, their sword and no, recognize that they're fighting, yes, for a uh, country, but more importantly, for God. They're fighting for God. They're fighting to save civilization you have something beautiful to work with, but also the dissociation uh, with the the person because warfare back then, you know, you were hand to hand combat. It was hand to hand combat. You had to more seriously face the uh, the reality of it up front. Like you, it mm. was very clear up front, whereas I think now, I mean, I obviously have never been to war, but I feel like that there's a little bit of a dissociation at first. And then once it happens, you're like, whoa, what? This is not the same kind of thing. It's not the same kind of thing. I'm thinking of like at the first world war, there were people who would, they would miss on purpose. They would shoot at their enemy and they would miss on purpose because they would just, they thought through their training, they were like, okay, yeah, this is, uh, I can do this. But then once you're there, the reality of it is totally different from shooting a target. Um, And so there's that. And then also coming home, coming home, there used to be a culture of, like of military life. Everyone went off to battle. Everyone fought. Your father fought. Your grandfather fought. Now, this is still present in some families, but it's not a cultural thing anymore. It's not like you have your entire edifice built up around this culture that's happened. There was a, there were not a culture that, that, that goes to war anymore. And so there's not a reality of it back at home. And mm. people don't understand it. Most people don't understand. I don't understand it. And then finally, I think that we don't have the idea that suffering can be made to so something beautiful. Yeah. You see all these wonderful saints who are in the Roman uh, Roman legion. We see saints who, like St. Ignatius of Loyola, who were uh, fighters. We have saints who were uh, kings, who were crusaders. We have uh, monks who went on crusade. And what did these people have in common? That when they came back home, they had an edifice of their faith to build them up. We had the world uh, of dedication towards uh, recognizing that suffering was something that could be taken and made into something beautiful that yes suffering is bad yes suffering is there and it and it is real suffering mental suffering is real suffering but that it can be transformed into something to glorify god with yeah. and i think we've lost that
4: and i i loved the question that you asked um tom adrian about uh what can lay people do or how how can lay people uh uh you know what 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 practical steps we can take and he answered um in a very simple answer he said safety security and attachment and i absolutely loved that answer because um basically what he's he's implying is that if you give someone safety security and attachment that is the basis that they need to um start again to 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 begin again and i think um you know going back to the trauma that um, a lot of our uh, military uh, veterans and what they deal with in 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 war, they come back feeling a lack of safety, a lack of security, and a lack of attachment. And so, if you have a loved one who is dealing with this trauma. Um, you know, and, and basic psychology does teach, you know, there's there's a, a psychological model called the attachment theory that basically teaches um, that a child uh, needs uh, that safety, security and attachment from their parents, from especially from the mother in the early years of their life to 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 fully flourish. And and that safety, security and attachment follows us throughout um, our infancy all the way into adulthood and um, even when you're an adult, you still need safety, security, and attachment. And essentially, you, you every human person desires and needs a sense of belonging, a sense of security, a sense of feeling like they have purpose. Um, and then when you take that away from someone, uh, I can see why it leads to depression and um, just all the, the, the trauma that they have to deal with.
3: Yeah. And Josh brought up, uh, the Napoleonic Wars. He said, I mean, look at the Napoleonic Wars. They, those wars were, uh, happened in not the modern era was not modern warfare in the strict sense of how I was referring to it. And, uh, but they still had abuse of alcohol and drugs. But the, here's the other thing. The Napoleonic Wars we not, this was not a Catholic nation anymore already in France. This was already after the French Revolution had already been in full swing. The uh, goddess of reason was put up in the churches. The Catholic faith was crushed under the heel. Um, these were the age of rationalism. And what do we see? a rise of people having alcohol abuse and drug abuse. And this was a, and and so I I think it actually further proves my point, not uh, the way around, because yeah, maybe you're right. It's, it's less about modern warfare and more about not having an edifice of faith and of, uh, and of a family, uh, faith and family, because what that was destroyed. Yeah. Faith and family was destroyed by the French revolution, destroyed by the, uh, uh, by the cult of rationalism. Mm.
2: Mike says on uh, Odyssey, he says, the average suicide victim in the United States is a white male in his 50s. Veterans trend younger, mid 30s. Mm. I believe, oh, this is the hard part. This is the really gut wrenching part right here. He says, I believe that Adrian is correct.
3: Mm. Very true. (laughs) Amen, brother. I don't know that I can get through Amen. that one. Uh, Mike, this is,
2: I, this may be the the, the end
3: of our, our relationship was, here, Mike. You know, this was a hard conversation, but you know, after that, re- after reading that, all I can say is um, no, mm-hmm. no, no, no.
2: Mm-mm. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-mm. 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 and you know, I think what the the basic result of our conversation has come down to is that we really need to make sure that. Um, <laughs> I think that's what we discovered Jesus. today. I was hoping to get through a whole week. Just one week is all I've asked. One mm-hmm.
2: solid week where we do not attempt to corrupt the souls of innocent people on, online.
4: And I love what you said, Adrian, about. <laughs> I was just going to uh, go back to what you were saying, Adrian. Faith and family. I love that um, because essentially, you know, his response about safety, security, and attachment. Where does the average person get their sense of safety, security, and attachment? It's first and foremost, from your family and your faith. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have a faith community, if you don't have a family community uh, support system, you will not naturally have a, a sense of safety and security and attachment, a sense of belonging. And so when you don't have that community, then you're prone to depression, you're prone to isolation, you're prone to um, you know the the trauma that um that comes with being isolated from a community mm. for sure, so faith and yeah. family I think that's that's the key uh If you have a veteran or anyone that is dealing with depression, mm. um I think if you can give them a sense of faith, a sense of family, a sense of support, I think that's the most important thing that you can give someone
2: amen Alaric brings up he says i'm not forcing u.n or democratic ideologies in random countries however uh he says but but however i do think some americans are growing in dangerous indifference to the sufferings of the vulnerable abroad i agree with you i, I like this point Alaric, uh completely and that's part of the reason why we had jason jones on today to discuss uh what he has been doing to try to save the vulnerable uh in this circumstance and you know there's so much I could say about this point. It, let's talk about the military, for instance, for, again, for one second. Having served in the, in the Marine Corps, having come from military family my whole life, uh, I think back of the Battle of Ponto, Don Juan of Austria. What does he do on the eve of the battle? He calls his men to go to confession, to receive Holy Communion, to, uh, uh, to be prepared spiritually to go fight. That's leadership. That's true leadership. Um, in when I served in the Marine Corps, without exception, every single command I belonged to, whether training commanded, uh, Marine Corps uh, recruit depot, San Diego, all the way to the fleet in Hawaii, every step, every command I belonged to uh, always encouraged licentious behavior, always, from, uh, from the sergeants, maybe not the commanding officer, fair enough, but everybody underneath him. Who's going out on the, the Liberty Pass this weekend? Who's going to do X, Y, and Z mortal sin this weekend? And then on Monday, what do we do? We come back and we brag about our stories. That was encouraged behavior. So now think about this. You're, you're an impressionable young man, or even young ladies, thrust into this peer-pressured environment to act in this way. And I can rec- I have told this story on a number of occasions, but we had a, a staff sergeant in our unit who was a, a Christian, but we, we, we made fun of him. We lambasted him. Um, he would dare say that human sexuality was for primarily for procreation and secondarily for bonding. Um, we thought that was the craziest thing we'd ever heard, and we we had a great time making him the butt of all the jokes. That's the common military environment. There, does that mean there aren't saints? Of course, yes. In every environment, in every circumstance, sec- you know, uh, St. Max Colbe lived in a concentration camp, for crying out loud. Yes, of course, great saints can be great saints in ir- regardless of their circumstances. However, what does that mean for everybody else who isn't a great saint? Who is just paper thin in their faith and in their resolve to be saints. Absolutely. They become uh, lions uh, being or the lambs being consumed by the lions. And that is um, a common problem that I see. So that's sort of the military level. Mm-hmm. But let's go back to Alaric's comment here about uh, sort of tran- uh, com- contrasting the UN and the need to not be indifferent on the vulnerabilities of people around us. Our strangers, our needs—for um, instance, the people at our border coming across our border—is every mm-hmm. one of them of those people evil? No. Are they criminals? No. Are some? Yes. But not everyone. Some of them actually are afraid for their lives. Some of them actually are running from corruption. I mean, what's going on in Mexico is, is heart-wrenching considering Our Lady conquered that country and, and crushed the head of Satan there. To see that country uh, get torn apart in corruption and evil with cartels and those on the take and the government is, is heart-wrenching to me. We should be. We should be uh, uh, caring for the migrant in our midst. We should be caring for those vulnerable people left behind under the rule of Taliban. We ought to care. But here's the here's the catch for me. I do not trust the government to do what the church must be leading the way in. It is the church that founded hospitals, education, the soup kitchen. It is the church that cares for the migrant, for the poor, the destitute. It is the church. And it is, it, is her, uh, it is her purview, it is her field of operation to care for those most in need and most vulnerable. We ought to be leading the charge, not asking the government to do this for us. It's not just about paying your taxes and hoping that these politicians can figure this all out because they will take God out of the equation. And then it becomes a human effort and it will fail before it ever gets started. We need not. We need not trust the UN or politicians necessarily to do what the church is has been given the mission to do, and uh, that's why we talked to Jason Jones. And it's clear in my opinion, you can see his his desire for the vulnerable, and that's why we say support him, support him in organizations like that. Not necessarily just pay your taxes and pat yourself on the back and think, hey, I paid my taxes. Mm-hmm. The Government's got this.
3: Ain't going to happen. Yeah, I, I wanted to pick up one thread that you dropped there at the beginning, and I with a point about. Yes, people, there are going to be saints everywhere. If you go into the military, there are saintly people who will rise above the circumstance and become great and holy men. This is true. This is true in every circumstance. Our Lord gives the grace necessary for salvation. Our Lord gives the grace for some people to for to have heroic saints in every situation. But the what is conducive to the salvation of souls? What is conducive to a great and deep spiritual life? Alaric makes a great point. He says... Military problems definitely sound like similar problems with our jail system. Completely divorced from God, charity has grown cold. And this is a very important why. I'm a huge advocate of capital punishment. I think capital punishment is a good thing. I think that is a it's beneficial to society. Why? Well, there's a number of reasons, but here's one primary reason which is not present in America today. It is devoid of in America today. Is that traditionally? And Catholic nations, when capital punishment would happen, they would send in a priest and they'd have, they had whole religious orders dedicated to preaching to those, they were called uh, the priests of the gallows, where they would go to those who were being executed and they would preach to them. They'd hear their confessions. They'd walk with them. They would try to get them to convert because they desired their salvation more than anything else. And that on their, once they were going to be executed, they were given Holy Communion, Viaticum. And they were going to head off to be executed, and the last thing they would see is the crucifix. They would be shown the crucifix, and they would kiss the crucifix before they were executed. And there was said it was said by Alfonso Ligori that those who took on the just punishment of capital punishment went straight to heaven. Why? Because they paid for their crime here on earth, wow. just like we do penance on earth, or just like we walk out of the confessional and our penance is to go say three Hail Marys. Well, they committed their crime. And their penance is to take their just punishment, just like St. Dismas on the cross next to our Lord. Justly took his crime and said, we deserve this. And he did not say, Lord, take me down for the cross. Instead, he said, no, we deserve this. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And our Lord tells the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. And so too for those people on the gallows. The reason why the prison system today is so wicked is because it is divorced from mm. Christ. It is divorced from the church it you know how hard go go talk to men who do prison ministry go talk to these men it is so hard it is so hard and so many hoops to jump through to try to just get into the prison to talk to these men it is even harder to set up a retreat for these men it is even harder to have a regular mass set for these men you know how difficult they make it especially for people on death row and yes, occasionally they'll, they'll, they will say, yes, you can have a priest, a minister of your choice to come and see you. But these aren't people who are dedicated to their souls, dedicated to their salvation. Yeah. It's not present. There's a lot of politics in
2: church chaplaincy as well. Mm-hmm. And they, at least in the great state of Texas, they're run by Protestants. Uh, so uh, the Catholic uh, chaplains trying to get in to provide those, uh, those opportunities can sometimes find great resistance there. Paul from Buffalo is commenting over on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt this morning. Praise be to God, Paul. Thank you again for joining us. He says, my friend Jim died in 2017 was Special Forces Vietnam era. He confided to me that the 12 in his platoon, nine were lost to suicide. Pray for these souls. Nine out of 12. He says, Jim died of natural causes. I meant to mention that, but I've never told anyone what he shared with me the day he told me about his platoon that is that is heavy man nine out of 12 died um and suicide from his unit that's incredible When uh when i was uh a young when i was a boy my dad was into counseling drug and rehab counseling as a, in the army he was in the army station in stuttgart at fifth general hospital and he helped to run a program that specifically was uh, aimed at vietnam Vera era veterans And they would bring their whole family into this hospital and they would give them treatment, uh, counseling, rehab, specific to drug and alcohol addiction, specific to PTSD type of issues from Vietnam. And uh, so I had some encounter with people like that. And the stories they would tell are just heart-wrenching, especially those that were POWs during Vietnam. They in particular, a lot of torture was involved. It's just so much damage. So to send men off, uh, women too now, to send them off to fight our country, uh, to fight for the country um, or the politics, the ideals that we ask them to, to adhere to in foreign countries and foreign lands under all circumstances, and then to do so without God as the, as the core of your being. Golly gee whiz, that feels like hell on earth to me, to be honest with you. Um, Mike says, I never saw so much adultery and drunkenness as I saw in the military. I was by no means living a Christian life, but I was constantly razzed about being a non participant. Yep.
1: Hmm.
2: Yep. That's, that's military life for you. I'll, I mean, i never forget talking to my buddy who was uh, west of point. Not forgive me. He was at Annapolis. He graduated from Annapolis. He went, he still is, as far as I know, an officer in the Navy serving in the submarine corps. And he reported to his first command, his first submarine boat. And his uh, the skipper of the boat, often a, a lieutenant commander, sitting in his chair in his stateroom, and uh, my friend is standing in the hatch at attention, reporting in for duty. And um, the skipper says, come on in. And so he takes one step into the hatch, and in front of him he sees a portrait on the far bulkhead of the skipper and his family, beautiful family. You know, does a left face because there's a chair to his left. He's going to go sit in that chair. And as he does a left face, he encounters pornography. And he says it, it was like a two by four across the face of the contrast between the image of this man and his beautiful family and porn hanging on the wall. And he, he was take his, like he lost his breath. He, he wasn't even sure how to handle this, this guy. He was uh, from New Orleans, a Catholic, obviously uh, believed in the dignity of the human person. The the gift of human sexuality in marriage, not in this cheap, lustful version of things. And uh, it really surprised him. He would go on to tell me that he would become an assistant chaplain every Sunday on the boat. Catholic priests really aren't available in submarines like, like you'd want them to be. So he, he would assist uh, those that would, you know, prayer service, or studying scripture, things like that. And every Sunday, he would go throughout this submarine and he would take down pornography from the walls throughout the whole boat. But then the captain would order it put back up every Sunday night. Because in his worldview, that was leadership. In his worldview, that is giving the men what they need or want, and they'll be happier people. And nothing further could uh, be the truth. And that is part of the problem we have. It is definitely part of the problem. Not that 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 necessarily makes the other issues easier to cope with. The damage of uh, combat psychologically is real. And we're grateful for organizations like the All Secure Foundation who help with that. Anyway, that's going to do it for today on the show. Praise be to God. Coming up tomorrow, Henry Sierra is going to be on. He wrote um a book i don't know i guess it came out in 2013 2014 the dictator pope in there he des- he describes the destruction of a an incredible it was th- massive organi- uh, uh, order of franciscans who were devoutly in love with the church and her tradition and how that organization became dismantled and are we going to see that again i don't know henry sierra is going to be our guest to talk about that tomorrow Uh, We're also going to have a great conversation in the after show tomorrow with Grace Williams on human trafficking and her organization, Children of the Immaculate Heart. That's coming up. God love you. Thank you for joining us.